Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sports Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sports Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time with some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast, we thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Welcome to this episode of the Sports Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Yeah. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Paul. Oh, boy. Oh, what a week. Yeah. It's flogging down rain outside and... The world's on the verge of a nuclear war, yeah. World War Three. Yeah. Yep. I didn't hear that. Hey? I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. You noticed I'm wearing something today? Uh-uh. I bought this um, when I was in Ukraine, when I was in Kiev in yeah. 2015. Yeah. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I've worn it today in support of all the – Ukrainian people who are going for a terrible time at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's just shocking. Absolutely yeah. shocking. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just looking up what this symbol represents. It's the called the gold trident. Yeah. So it's the yeah, the state emblem of Ukraine. The sign of pricely state of just looking it up here. Vol- Volodymyr the Great, the gold trident. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Just seeing what else it symbolises. Yep. Yeah. So, what are your opinions of it all? Yeah, I, I know it's a sports show, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's it's right. Yeah, I haven't got I haven't gone right into the politics of it, but yeah, I just think it's wrong. Oh. Well, I. I you know, compared to what the world just come through, and you know, people in the Ukraine, that, you know, I don't know how they went through the coronavirus. And yeah, well, when I was there in 2015, it was quite safe. It was very safe where I went. Yeah, see, because the war was just in the way far in the east there. Yeah, um, but just you know, like when I heard they'd bombed the airport, you know, that's where I stayed. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, just, you know, it's, um, I just, it's like, you know, when they, well, they will take over. It looks like they will take over the country now. Yeah. Because um, it's very important to Russia because it's access to the Black Sea, you see. Oh, yeah. And they don't want the Ukrainian government because they want to join NATO. So yeah. they, that's why they want to put in a Russian government in there. Yeah. But they'll just invade, take it over, it'll yeah. become part of Russia. That's yeah. the way I see it. And then they'll go to other – because this is what this mongrel wants, and I'm not going to mention his name because yeah. he's a scum of the earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just been waiting his time. He wants another – he wants to reclaim back all those uh, countries that – you know, became independent nations when communism fell. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and as soon as, you know, Biden, I think, came into government, he was just licking his lips. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 
Is this the thing now? These Western countries, they're just, they're weak, a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. They're just not these powerhouses they used to be. Yeah. So while all of this has been going on, this, uh, this mongrel has just been, you know, yeah, building up his arms and, yeah, yeah so anyway, we're not going to talk any more about that. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're just talking about the the amount of rain that's around mm. over the last week. Yeah, oh, hasn't it bucketed down? Yeah. yeah. It hasn't been too bad here, but down Mudrabar and especially mm. up north. Yeah. They've really got the Well, like yesterday, like you know, I was working here on the Gold Coast and yeah, had a barbecue outside, went for a walk in the morning. You yeah. know, there was spits of rain here and there, but yeah. it wasn't bucketing down. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, I had to drive up to Brisbane in the afternoon. It was teeming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely teeming. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, gosh, I wonder when it's going to stop. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, but no, man. we lost a great man. Yeah, yesterday. John Landy. Yeah, he was a uh, very famous Australian middle distance runner. Yeah, and he was only the second man. This is back in the 50s. He was only the second man to break the four minutes, the the mile in four minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and they always thought before that that it'd it'd never happen. No one would ever be capable of breaking the four-minute mile. Yeah. And Sir Roger Bannister, he was the first to do it. Him and Landy were fighting it out to see who could yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was the second man and just a real gentleman. Yeah. You know, he he was ninety one years of age, and he's very famous for his sportsmanship. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, in nineteen fifty six at the Australian Athletics Championships, yeah. Um, yeah, Ron Clark fell over. In the race. Yeah. Yeah, and he's run back and helped him yeah. up from the track and, yeah. yeah, like gave up his first place lead and managed to catch up and win yeah. the race. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a clip on on Facebook about this. I, I don't know where it was, but it looked like to be a triathlon. Mm. And, and the and – the, the, the female triathlete must have been heading all the way, leading all the way. But when she got near the end of the um, the, the oh, fi- I saw that the finish line, the, yeah. the one came second, stayed with her, and yeah. and, and and help help to get over the yeah, help the win. Yeah, so even even when third place was coming around in the background, you could see them her slowing down. Well, there was a, another a instance of um, two brothers in a triathlon. Yeah, yeah, one fell over and he helped him over the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be. Yeah, it'd be heartbreaking if you did all that work and then. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, didn't make it over the end. Hmm. Yeah, when you've really been going for it, but it's also good for to see com- the competitors. Yeah, uh, that you know the, the other lady could easily won it, but she said, "No, nah, well, 
she obviously yeah. sees that this this lady that wasn't coping near the end went through um yeah and up the through to get through. Yeah, that's yeah. great sportsmanship. That could be a topic for one of our episodes, yeah. couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, wonderful sportsmanship and Yeah. Unfortunately, we've seen a, some really b- <laughs> bad sportsmanship this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, just with our winners and losers. Yeah. Yeah, so world number three tennis player, Alexander Zverev. Did you see that? No. Nah. Well, put it this way, he made John McEnroe look like a choir boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he... Um, the end of the match, well, he was swearing and carrying on at the umpire during the match. And uh, at the end of the game, yeah, it was in a doubles match. And he's gone up to the umpire's chair. He's, uh, you know, where the um- umpire sits up high. And uh, he's smashing his racket. Uh, you know, some of it was actually hitting the umpire's foot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he didn't just hit it once or twice. He hit it numerous times. Yeah. And you know what's happened to him? Nothing. Bugger all. Which is totally, it's just, yeah. Which is totally unfair and stupid. He's just been, you know, expelled from the tournament. Yeah. But spoiled brats like that, they need to be out for, you know, five-year bans, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, make, make it really stick. Oh, uh, mate, big, it was shocking. Big fines and yeah. stuff like that. Put it this way, it's the worst thing I've seen on a tennis court. Yeah. Like, yeah. But see, you give them fines and... You know, that's like, that's nothing to these guys. Yeah. Because they earn millions. Yeah. You know, where you're going to get these brats is expelling them from the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's what will hurt them the most. Yeah. That's what they do with drug cheats and... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, another loser is Phil Mickelson. (laughs) He was one of our winners last year because he was the oldest man to win a major. Yeah. And Greg Norman too, because they've been backing this Saudi Arabia Rebel Golf League. And it's, you know, just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like he's earned a, nearly a billion dollars, Phil, Mick, Phil Mickelson, uh, on the USPGA Tour. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's not enough for him. Yeah. Oh, you know, we need to put this Saudi league into it to improve the conditions of the PGA and – yeah. Yeah, pretty much all the other golfers are just calling him a tosser, basically. Yeah. Like Rory McIlroy, he's one of my winners. Yeah, he he described Phil Mickelson as being naive, selfish, egotistical and ignorant. <laughs> and I think he hit the nail on the head. Yeah. But what Phil Mickelson does, he's very good at doing, is putting his foot in his mouth. Yeah. And not thinking before he talks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of the things he's said over the years are just uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Great golfer, but no. <laughs> <laughs> My father used to have a saying, he said, put your, put your brain into gear before you let out the clutch. Mm, that's right. That's a good saying. Think about what you're going to say before you actually go and say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, another loser, Latrell Mitchell, after mm. his comments saying that the – NRL is too soft, you know, and this is the guy who put um, Joseph Manu, one of the worst, oh, like he was suspended for the rest of the season last year, one of the worst tackles you've seen. Yeah. 
really shoulder barge to the head from memory and broke his jaw in a few places. And, yeah. You know, like, fair enough, the game may have gone a little bit soft. Like, it's, yeah, but I guess they've had to, you know, because of the concussions and... Yeah. Um, but he shouldn't be, you know, you don't say comments like that. He's another one who's put his foot in his mouth and, yeah, like... You don't say things like that after you, you know, you've broken a guy's jaw in several places and yeah. put him out of the game for a long time and yeah. cost your team pretty much of the chance of winning a premiership last yeah. year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So a winner is Hannah Green. She's a Aussie golfer. Yeah, she won a major a couple of years ago. So mm. with with the uh, the men's. They have four majors, where the women have five majors. So she won one of the majors. But she actually won a mixed golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah. She beat some of the men. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was a, a wonderful achievement for her. Yeah. You got any slaps of the week? <laughs> uh-uh. Um, not necessarily. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> nah, it's been a pretty quiet week. Pretty quiet week. Yeah, haven't had much to to yeah. um to watch or pick on. I just the well last Monday they um mon- yeah mon- they announced that the the masks are going to go from this coming Friday. So it was nearly t- like nearly a two week mm. t- a two week. Announcement before it happens. Is that in all places or? Oh, Queensland. Yeah. But um, no, you're still needed in the hospitals and medical centres and oh, public okay. transport and, yep. and stuff like that. But I just thought, why announce it? Yeah. Be done two weeks before it happens. Mm. And even after the announcement, I went out and even though there was um, signs in the shop. People weren't wearing masks. Yeah. They just. Yeah, they're pretty over yeah, it. Yeah, but they're just saying, oh, but that'll be, that, that'll be the end of the Chromicon cycle. I thought, how can they be that precise? Yeah. When they've just opened up all international flights again. Mm. So, yeah. and last time they did that, that's when, they, um, um, when the current Omicron came in. That's right. So, hopefully. Uh, yeah, that's the last thing we need at the moment, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. There's enough going on in the world now, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really sad to see oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the war breaking oh, out there, yeah. what's going on yeah. around the world and hoping that the world dealing with COVID would bring it closer together, but mm. doesn't seem to... Nah. Be just adding more stress onto other people. <laughs> yeah, well, while you're talking about that, just looking at some sports news from around the globe, and I'll add them as a winner. Yeah, uh, UEFA. Yeah, right, they're the um, the Europe, you know, in charge of the European Champions League soccer. It's like the biggest um, tournament in club soccer in Europe. Yeah. Now, the final was supposed to be played in Saint Petersburg, Russia. Yeah. Which is that mongrel's hometown. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they've moved it. No, they've moved it to Paris. You're not having it. Uh, and this is what I think they need to do. You know, um, like just ban Russia from sport. Uh, I know it won't do much, you know. It won't yeah. stop them from invading countries. Yeah. And, but, you know, like, yeah, we've just got to – like they they've been cheating the system for years, you know, with yeah. all their athletes that have been taking drugs and yeah, yeah. So the world's just got to take a stance and yeah. And the Russian Grand Prix's been cancelled. Yeah. So yeah, full credit to the Formula One for doing that. Yeah, that would have been yep. a lot, that would have been a lot of money lost oh, yeah. for them. Yeah, especially from the last two years. Of- <laughs> Mm. Country's not, not um, not about to host it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Well, the Champions League final—that's just huge. It's just a massive event. Yeah. So yeah, and they've even been banned from Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but I think they'll lose much sleep over that. Nah. <laughs> But I think it worked with South Africa after all those years, you know, yeah. like because I was talking to some South Africans and just after they were, you know, readmitted and apartheid had ended and, yeah, yeah that was something they really missed was uh, um, not being able to participate in international sport. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the only way they'll get rid of this mongrel is, uh, you know, the Russian people doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, just looking at some sports news from around the globe. So we look at basketball in America. So the NBA, Michigan coach Yuan Howard, he was suspended for the rest of the season because he slapped a Wisconsin assistant <laughs> men's basketball coach. Yeah, in the head. <laughs> he slapped him in the head, uh, in the handshake line. Uh, yeah, and he's also fined $40,000. 40, $40, mm. Ouch. Just a bit of pocket money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and US soccer and women's players agreed to settle their equal pay lawsuit. So, yeah, they'll be earning the same money as the men. And Medina Spirit was stripped of the of last year's Kentucky Derby win because it failed a post-race drug test. Mm. So even horses are taking drugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder how long that's been going on for. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to talk about sporting teams and sports people who have punched well above their weight. <coughs> Pardon me. So, in other words, having more influence on power than they would be expected to have. So, performing way above expectation. So, you often see that just across the road at the Broadwater, don't you, Glenn? Yeah. With <laughs> some very attractive women walking with men who aren't that very attractive. Oh. And straight away you think, yep, he's punching above his weight, that bloke. Yeah, but, but then again, I sort of don't like that saying because... Yeah. Because... You don't know what the people That's are, right. are really like. Exactly. Yeah, it's not, yeah, but what comes to your mind, Glenn, when you think of someone punching above their weight? Well, Dylan Alcott and, you know, 
disabled athletes mm. you know, in the wheelchair and you know, just watching them down at Carrara where they practice and that and just, yeah, they're slamming into each other and falling over and I just pop their wheelchairs back up yeah. and, and back into it and they're just, you know, you got to give it to them really. Yeah. Um, Dylan Lawcott with the great wheelchair tennis player and yeah it's about to play the tennis in the wheelchair in the same size court mm. as able-bodied people yeah you exactly know, they, they're really um they're really um yeah got to give it to them oh yeah to just to, to be able to get out there and just struggle well not struggle but just their determination mm. To go above and beyond to to be involved in the sport. Yeah, you raise a really good point. Yeah, yeah like um, he actually came from wheelchair rugby background. Actually, yeah. yeah. Then took up tennis. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that yeah. until last year yeah. when I heard him being interviewed. Yeah. 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 No. In the in the Port Macquarie Triathlon, there was a lady that had a, she was on the bike. Bike um, section of the triathlon, and she hit a guardrail and lost the use lost the use of both legs. Yep. But was up here on the Gold Coast on the in the Commonwealth Games competing in the in the wheelchair. Jeez, really? Not nine months later. Mm. Yeah, she recovered from the that that sort of yeah. That's really determined. Oh, I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah. that was that was incredible. Right? Yeah, yeah, real, really courageous. Yeah, to go, yeah, you know, mm. just losing the use of legs due to a, a um an event, but just about to pull yourself up and yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I can I can then go into the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, well, it's it's great with the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they actually include the disability events in the actual full medal tally. Yeah. Of the able events. Yeah. 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 That's a great concept, but with the Olympics, it's yeah. always separate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, I heard someone this week talking about other events that should be in the in the Winter Games. Like snowball fighting and oh yeah, <laughs> snow snowman building and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> Bit of fun, isn't it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, what I think of is, um, you know, some of these like someone like Alfie Langer. Yeah. I remember back in nineteen eighty seven, like no one had ever heard of this bloke. Basically, he was, yeah. you know, Queensland were looking for a halfback for the state of origin. The partner the great Wally Lewis and the halves and um you know he was this jockey sized halfback you know I think he was about 19 back then blonde yeah. hair looked like a choir boy yeah you know? and yeah they just plucked him out of nowhere from uh, the Queensland State League yeah. and he turned out to be one of the greats yeah. yeah played a blinder in that series and uh-huh. you know he he would bring down prop forwards he yeah. was that gutsy and someone like Jeff Toovey too. Yeah, yeah. The way he used to just get up after being knocked out all the time and yeah. 
Yeah, he was as tough as they come. Yeah. Mm. Um, but no, just, you know, countries. Yeah, like I think today, like we mainly focus about, yeah, countries punching above their weight. Yeah. Countries, you know, with small populations like Norway. Yeah. Who, well, regularly, and they did it again at the, the recent Winter Olympics that just finished, you know, topping the medal tally. Yeah. Not just topping it, top, winning by a long way, you know. Yeah. They only have a population of barely four million. Yeah. And they're, you know, blowing away countries like Germany and all these powerhouses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and New Zealand too. You know, they excel in a wide range of sports. And we spoke last week of our own Jackie Narricott when mm. she picked up a silver in the, um, the skeleton. That was yeah. a Herculean performance. Uh-uh. Yep. We, we actually did well in a bobsleigh, one of the bobsleigh events. Yeah. Yeah, we came like fifth, I think. Uh-uh. That's, that's amazing. Uh-uh. Yeah. Because you think there's no facilities here. To do it. Uh, yeah. But also, yes, Steve Bradbury, when he, he, won, that, he, he won that gold medal, became uh, the first Aussie to win a gold medal uh, 20 years ago uh, at the Winter Olympics. Uh, and uh, they all fell down and <laughs> he was the only one that's standing and yeah. went over the finish line, didn't he? Yeah. Another one I can think of is uh, Leicester City in 2016 when they won yeah. the EPL in, in football. Like, cause up until then, like, the only teams, there was just that big four yeah. that always would fight it out, yeah. you know. There were those four and then daylight after that. Yeah. So you'd have Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, and then Leicester City, you know, who didn't have all these high-paid superstars. They just kept winning and winning and winning yeah. and winning. Like, everyone was just expecting that whole season – because it's a bloody long season, that EPL. Yeah. Like, it goes from, like, August to May. Yeah. You know, they just were waiting for them to, yeah, and they were just leading the whole year, and they ended up winning the uh, the premiership. Yeah. Yeah. And before that, they would have been thousands to one to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jamaica, in, especially in sprinting events, you know, mm. and Bahamas, very small populations, but, yeah, especially with Jamaica, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you think of all the greats that they've produced in sprinting. We'll, we'll uh. talk about some of them today, but, yeah, yeah in four by 100 metre finals, you know, beating America and, yeah. Okay, quiz time. Quiz time. It's Olivia. It's Olivia. <laughs> She comes. Here she is. Shopping over the chairs. <laughs> the wind blowing the windows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, quiz time. Question number one. Former world number one ladies tennis player Justine Hannon represented what country? Hear that question is again. Former world number one ladies tennis player Justin Hannon represented what country? Question number two. Anthony Nesty was a butterfly swimmer from a small nation in of Surinames. 
What, what, what question? Question number two. Uh-uh. I should have. Suriname. 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 In South America, and who won a gold medal at what Olympic Games? Question number three. What is the name of the New Zealand cricketer who recently retired after a brilliant 112 test career for scoring six... 7,683 runs. Here that question is again. What is the name of the New Zealand cricketer who recently retired after a brilliant 112 test career scoring one, oh, 7,683 runs? Question number four. What African country caused a massive upset defeating title holders France at the 2002 Football World Cup and went on to make the quarterfinals. Question number four, again. What, what African country caused a massive upset defeating title holders France at the 2002 Football World Cup and went on to make the quarterfinals? Okay. So you give the answers? Okay, here's the answers. Yeah, question number one. Question number one was former world number one ladies tennis player Justine Hannon represented what country? The answer to that question is Belgium. Question number two. Anthony Nesty was a butterfly swimmer of the small nation of Suriname in South America who won a gold medal at what Olympic Games? The answer to that question is Seoul, 1988. Question number three. What is the name of the New Zealand cricketer who recently retired after a brilliant 112 test career, scoring 7,683 runs? And the answer to that question is Ross Taylor. Question number four. What African country caused a massive upset, defeating title holders France at the 2002 Football World Cup and went on to make the quarterfinals? The answer to that question is Senegal. Good. Uh. Ooh, who am I? Yeah. This week's Who Am I? Okay. Okay, who am I? I am a country with a population of approximately only 4 million and became an independent nation in 1991. In my short history, I have managed to produce world class athletes and teams, injured. Even endured a bitter war. I think I know what it is. Some of my achievements include Olympic and world champions in handball, water polo, runners-up in the football World Cup, and runners-up in the basketball and Olympic and Olympics and Davis Cup champions twice. I produced some great sports people, such as basketballer Tony Kukok. Oh, sorry, Kukok. Yeah, Kukok. Yeah. Kukok. Right. Who was a key member of the NBA champs, the Chicago Bulls, with Michael Jordan. Football player Luka Modric. Goran. Ivanisevic. Ivanisevic. <laughs> Iva. Mayoli. Malawi. Mayoli. Mayoli. And Marin Silic. Chilic. Chilic. Yeah. I have also produced Olympic champions in alpine skiing, such as Janica Kostelak, 
and gold medalist in a wide range of sports, such as weightlifting, athletics, rowing, shooting, and sailing? And the answer to that question is... Yep. We'll, we'll be revealed at the end of this podcast. Okay, okay so we go Thanks, on Libby. to... Thank you, Olivia. Now we go on to... Thanks, Miss Olivia. Actually, Where are they now? About, um, oh, no, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like Belgium, you know, they're a great sporting... You know, you've got a really good football team. They only have a population of about 3 million. Yeah. Like, I've been to Belgium, and it takes you about two hours to drive through it. That's how small it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'd, no one, I, I don't think anyone had pretty much, well, I, I'd never heard of Suriname until Anthony Nesty won that gold medal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Ross Taylor, he, um, wonderful cricketer, just retired. I think he's from Maori background. And, yeah, you don't get many Maori cricketers. Yeah. Yeah, they mainly excel in rugby union and, uh, yeah. Okay, so we're up to where are they now? And this week we have, well, I'll, you know, in my lifetime, from what I've seen, and he's the greatest cricketer I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen some great ones, but this bloke, oh, boy. Yeah. He was top of the pops. Yeah. The great Sir Vivian Richards. Yeah, so he um, just had this such a great aura about him, you know, like he'd walk out to the crease, he'd be chewing his gum, pumping his chest out yeah. and just willing to take on any bowler. Yeah. And he'd never wear a helmet. <laughs> never wore a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember um, there was a – Day-night cricket match I went to in, in Sydney. This was in the season of 1984-85 and Australia batted first, scored 200 in their 50 overs. Yeah. And they had the West Indies in all sorts of trouble, you know. And if the West Indies lost a game in those days, it was a big thing, you know. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah, there weren't too many times when the Aussies would beat the West Indies. But you just thought this night they were going to do it. They'd picked up... You know, three early wickets, um, yeah, bowling well, catching well. Yeah. Viv Richards, he had other ideas. <laughs> <laughs> he just smashed them everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah, before you could blink, the game was all over. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, boy, what a cricketer he was. Like, mm. it wasn't just his batting, you know. He bowled some – like, he'd take about one step and bowl some good off spin and – just a brilliant fieldsman, absolutely uh, brilliant fieldsman, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I, uh, 1999, well, Sir Vivian Richards is from a tiny island nation in the Caribbean called Antigua and Barbuda. Yeah. And I've got the flag here today, Glenn, <laughs> from 1999 when I went to Antigua, Barbuda. Oh, yeah. I've got their flag and I'm waving it around. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, oh, beautiful place, you know. And I've got some photos here. It's known for its beautiful beaches. Look at that beautiful sunset. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what else have we got? That's the place I stayed at with the bar on the beach. Yeah. Yeah, and all the Aussie cricketers turned up there one night. I was uh, sitting there, and all of a sudden, Steve Wall sits near, near me. Uh, I'm going, oh, my God, there's Steve Wall. 
Um, he was the Aussie captain at the time. Uh, yeah. There's another beautiful beach there. Mm. Look at the beautiful sunset, crystal yeah. blue water. Yeah. yeah, we had some good games of beach cricket on there too. Yeah. And that's the uh, sitting in the grandstand there. They don't play test cricket there anymore. Yeah, yeah they built a new stadium. Oh, yeah. And it's named after the great Sir Vivian Richards. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the – it's a – St. John's is the capital. Yeah. And it's probably only got a population of about 20,000, I think. Wow. But it's got like, you know, it's they've got a port there. Yeah. There's a West Indian player receiving yeah. his cap for his test debut. Oh, yeah. I forget who it was. Yeah. There's the ground there. And the great Brian Lara, he had a great century there off about 80 balls. (laughs) (laughs) But thankfully the Aussies went on and won the test match. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good view on that stand there. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. Oh, is that a beach or is that a beach? (laughs) (laughs) I could certainly spend some time on that beach. Oh, yeah. There's me. In the, in the grandstand there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't changed much, have I? Uh, <laughs> Just a few grey hairs now. Yeah. <laughs> but see, I've got that thing around my neck. It was called a coolet. And I used to wear that when I used to play. And you'd wet, wet it in cold water, put it around your neck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a big ship there in the harbour. Yeah. Next to a toy ship. Yeah. Some, one of the streets. Yeah. That's where I stayed. The place was called Lashings. Yeah. And guess who owned it? Richie Richardson. Yeah. Yeah, another former great ant- great West Indian cricketer, and he came from Antigua. Yeah. Yeah. So Kirtley Ambrose, he's from Antigua as well. Oh. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I actually saw Richie Richardson there when I was staying there. Uh-huh. There's Lara coming out to bat. Uh-huh. And see this dude, I forgot to mention him two weeks ago in our Spectators uh, episode. His name's Gravy. Gravy. And he was a guy, he used to dress up like a lady. Uh, <laughs> and he was very popular with the locals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was a character, that bloke. Mm. Mm. But if you see here, and they, they do it at the Gabba now, um, they have a pool uh, yeah. inside the ground. Yeah. People can just sit in the pool and watch a game and yeah. have a drink and yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's where I first saw it. That uh, ground in Antigua. They've yeah. been doing it there for a while because uh, geez, it gets warm there. <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about the great Sir Vivian Richard, Richards now. So he's an Antiguan retired cricketer. He represented the West Indies cricket team between 1974 and 1991. And he batted at number three in the brilliant West Indies batting side in their, in their team. Yeah. And, yeah, I was listening to Behind the Bet podcast. Apparently his dad was a real inspiration. Yeah, yeah. His dad was the one who made him get involved in cricket because his dad actually played for the island. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what inspired him to play. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but apparently, you know how he used to always chomp hard on his chewing gum? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that, that used to help him concentrate, apparently. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, he's just such a massive 
big believer in self-belief. You know, he just never doubted his talents. And yeah. Just had an awesome eye on him. Yeah, so the West Indies side, the great West Indian side, they dominated world cricket in the 70s and 80s. And according to ESPN Crick Info, Richards is widely regarded as one of the greatest batsmen of all time. Now, Richard, Richards also played international football for Antigua and Barbuda, mm. appearing in qualifying matches for the 1974 World Cup. Yeah, and the only reason he went to cricket, because cricket was more organised. Yeah. You know, it was a bigger sport in Antigua than, than uh, soccer. So, uh, yeah, that's why he stuck with cricket, uh, basically. Yeah, so he was born in St. John's, St. John's Antigua in 1952. Now, I'll tell you a bit, about it, a bit more about Antigua. So it's an island in the Lesser Antilles, and it is one of the Leeward Islands in the Caribbean region and the main island of the country of Antigua and Barbuda. Now, according to AntiguaNice.com, you read that much, Glenn? Uh, every, every day. <laughs> Antigua and Barbuda <laughs> became an independent state within the Commonwealth of Nations in 1981. So, it's, yeah, it's a very new country. Yeah. Now, it has a total population of around 95,000. So you think out of that 95,000, they've produced some of the greatest cricketers. Yeah. Yeah. Although very small in size. Yeah. I, I was just thinking that it's about sixth of the size of the Gold Coast. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just a city. Well, I, I remember when I was going to the airport to fly to New York. From Yeah. yeah I got a taxi from where I was staying, to the airport. Yeah, Yeah, and the taxi at the stop because there were cows going across the road. (laughs) (laughs) And then later that day, I was in like the concrete jungle of New York from one extreme to the other. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's produced some of the world's greatest cricketers. As I mentioned, the great Sir Kirtley Ambrose, the great Andy Roberts, Richie Richardson, and it's also got some notable residents, such as Oprah Winfrey and Timothy mm. Dalton and Eric Clapton. Yeah. They live there part-time as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, so Antigua and Barbuda, as I said, it's well known for its beautiful beaches, crystal blue sea, beach activities and museums. Yeah, so this is beach cricket, you know, it was always very popular in the, in the Caribbean. Yeah. And this is where a lot of the great players develop their talents. Because basically what it is, like they they have a type of ball and it skids off, you know, when the the water near oh, the shoreline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's how they play. Oh, yeah. 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 So um Richards made his test debut in nineteen seventy four against England. And according to Peter Murray in the book A Hundred Years of Test Cricket. Richards was well known for his ability to improvise and quick eye, which allowed him to pick up the ball early from the bowler's hand. Now, in 1976, it was a brilliant year for for Richards. He scored 1,710 runs, the most ever at the time for a calendar year, with seven test centuries in 11 tests at an average of 90. Wow, that's up near Sir, Dom, Sir Donald Bradman's average. Yeah. Now, this tally 
stood us the world record for the most test runs by a batsman in a calendar year for 30 years. Now, Richards, he was known as the Master Blaster, or Uh, Smokey. uh, He got that nickname, I think, from uh, uh, Smoke and Joe Fraser, from memory. uh, Now, he was not only a brilliant batsman, but also a brilliant fielder. So in the 1975 World Cup final against um, Australia, yeah, Australia were chasing the West Indies total, and they were starting to get on top, Mm. and Richards perform three brilliant runouts and just turn the whole match. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and his yeah, handy off spin bowler as well. And they didn't rely too much on spin, the the great West Indies side in the seventies and eighties. It was yeah. just all out pace. Yeah. They didn't need a spin bowler. They no, were that good. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could just win on any surface. Yeah. Now Richards would walk out to the middle, pumping his chest out, chewing his gum, ready to take on any opposition. Now, Richards never wore a helmet, as I said, throughout his career. And according to Jeff Armstrong in the book The 100 Greatest Cricketers, Richards believed that wearing a helmet was an admission of fear. Yeah. So, yeah, helmets came in sort of around the start of World Series cricket, 1977, 78. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Richards could have worn a helmet then, but no, he never wore a helmet. All yeah. right f- throughout his career. Uh, you think of all those great fast bowlers he faced, like Tomo and L- yeah. Lily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Richards was the best hooker in the game. Yeah, so he would had no fear of, you know, hitting the ball if it was pitched and aim, aimed at his head. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I think there were a lot of bowlers who wanted to take his head off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But his eye was so good they just had no hope. And, uh, yeah, so especially during the World Series cricket series, yeah, when he took on the short pitch deliveries on difficult surfaces. Yeah, so Richards was able to combine timing of the ball with savage force. Mm. He liked to plant his front foot first to even the fastest of bowlers. However, was able to keep his balance and play the ball with ease. He appeared he had all the time in the world. Now, Richards was a big match player who loved a challenge, especially taking on, you know, Tomo and Lily. Like, Tomo was the fastest bowler ever. Yeah. Yeah. And he was willing to take on the opponents. And he just had a special mission to destroy the other team's best bowler. So an example is the great, um, passed away a few years ago, Bob, England's Bob Willis, 1980 and 84. Yeah. Just destroyed him and Willis said quote I felt utterly helpless and depressed <laughs> when he was bowling to Richards some of the great quicks Richards took on in his career include John Snow Garth LaRue Richard Hadley Imran Khan Kapil Dev Wazim Makran and Ian Botham now, Ian Botham and Viv Richards are best mates uh. have been ever since they were young uh. yeah and yeah, according to Alex Telfer in the bleacherreport.com, Richards would punish bowlers that dared to sledge him, and opposing captains often banned their players from doing so. However, when playing for Somerset in a county game against Glamorgan, <laughs> Glamorgan's Greg Thomas attempted, attempted the sledge Richards after he had played and missed at several balls in a row. 
he sarcastically informed Richards, it's red, round, and it's about five ounces, in case you were, you were wondering. <laughs> and Richards then hammered the next delivery for six straight out of the stadium and into a nearby river. <laughs> <laughs> and turning back to the bowler, Richards commented, you know what it looks like, man, now go and find it. <laughs> it's one of the greatest sledges of all time, though. <laughs> yeah, so cricket fans were excited when Richards walked out to bat. It was not to be missed. He had such a great aura, some say not since the great WG Grace in the late 1800s. So I remember, you know, when we used to play the West Indies back then, you just thought if you got Richards out, you had to get Richards out early, yeah. you know, or else it was just good night. Yeah, and if right. you did get him out yeah. early, you were half a chance maybe, yeah. not even that, a quarter of a chance if yeah. you're lucky. Yeah. They just had so much depth. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1981, in the first ever test match played in Antigua, Richard scored a century in his home island. Yeah, and that was his greatest. That, that was his greatest memory. Yeah, apparently. And in 1986, at the same ground, St John's Recreation Ground, in Antigua, and this was against England. Richard scored the fastest ever century, scoring his hundred in 56 balls. Hitting mm. seven fours and seven sixes. Yeah. Yeah, he scored a brilliant 189 not out in a one-day international against England in 1984 at Old Trafford, Manchester. Mm. Now, one of Richard's sixes went right out of the stadium that day. Mm. Yeah. But he's a strong believer still in test cricket, yeah. you know, with all the 2020. Like, he thinks it's great. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he believes that, yeah, test cricket builds the best players. Uh, yeah, they're, they're the ones with the best technique. Yeah. Like they're the ones that can play all three forms. Yeah. And in 1988, Richard, Richards became the first West Indian to score 100 first-class centuries. He's the only man in one-day international history to play at least 40 innings, averaging over 40, and maintain a strike rate of more than 90 runs scored per 100 balls faced. Uh. Now, you just think, how would he go now, Viv? In 2020 cricket. Yeah. <laughs> like, if they had 2020 <laughs> cricket then. Yeah. Well, say if he was around playing today, yeah. you know, with the bigger bats and, yeah, oh, my life. It'd be <laughs> It'd just be phenomenal, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Rich, Richards, I'm going to say Viv, because saying Richards all the time's a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Viv was also a successful captain. Well, that's what he was known as, you know. He was known as Viv. <laughs> like, and this West Indies team was so great, they were pretty much all known by their first names, weren't they? Yeah. Like Kirtley and Andy and yeah. Richie and Desi and Gordon and Clive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So he took over the reins from the great Clive Lloyd in 1985 and led the West Indies for six years until 1991. Now, during this time, he never lost a series and beat England and Australia home and away. Now, all up, Viv played 121 test matches, scoring 8,540 runs, averaging 50.24 with a high score of 294. So that would have been greater, you know, because you remember those two years he was out of the game 
for World Series cricket. Yeah. It's the same with Dennis Lilly. Those stats, you know, would have been – he would have played a lot more tests. Yeah. Yeah. And in one day internationals, oh, gosh, he was awesome in that too. He played 187 matches, averaging 47 and 6,721 runs. Mm. Now, according to Peter Murray, in 2000, Viv was named by a 100-member panel of experts as one of the five wisdom cricketers of the century. Now, Australian fast bowling greats Jeff Thompson and Dennis Lilly, they both rate Viv as the best, best batsman they ever bowled against. A former Australian captain, Ian Chappell, who is regarded as one of the best cricket captains of all time, rates Viv as the most intimidating and dangerous batsman he ever saw, who often changed games simply by walking to the crease. Now, I can vaguely remember this, but I remember sitting at home watching TV, and it was in about 1979, 1980, yeah. and Tomo and... You know, Lilia bowling to Viv in a one-day game in Melbourne. Yeah. You know, and he was just playing. (laughs) It was like taking candy from a baby. And he smashed like about 150-odd not out. And that was an incredible score back then. Mm. You know, it is now, but back then, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's the best player I've ever seen. Yep. Yeah, so he was just so intimidating, dangerous batsman. And, you know, whoever saw, you know, yeah, he changed the games just by simply walking to the crease. Yeah. Yeah. Now, according to Karthik Lakshmanan <laughs> <laughs> in crickbuzz.com, uh. in 1994, Viv was appointed. <laughs> An officer of the Order of the British Empire, OBE, for services to cricket. Yeah. Now, Viv rates Malcolm Marshall the best of all the West Indian bowlers because he, although he was the shortest and he punched well above his weight because mm. he was like 5'11", and all the other great West Indian bowlers, you know, like 6'7", uh, 6'8", seven, six, Joel uh, Garner, you uh, know. He was uh, like nearly seven foot probably. Uh, yeah, but he rated Malcolm Marshall the best because he yeah. could just excel on all conditions. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at what the great Viv Richards is doing now, these days. So he loves playing golf. He loves the EPL and he's a big Liverpool fan, has been for many years, and he's still lover of the game and ad- still admires the talent of some of the players. So especially, um, you know, Virat Kohli and uh, Baba, you know, the great Pakistani batsman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Viv today is 69 years of age and he's been a commentator on BBC's Test Match Special, TMS. Mm. He was featured in the 2010 documentary movie Fire in Bab- Babylon uh. and spoke about his experiences playing for the West Indies. Yeah. So he is married to Miriam. And they have two children, including Marley, who has also played first-class cricket. Now, Viv is also the godfather godfather to his close and long-time friend and great English all-rounder, Ian Botham, his son, Liam. Now, Viv also has a daughter. Um, yeah, it's, she's a fashion designer, Masaba Gupta, from another relationship. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but one thing I forgot to mention with Viv, like, you know, he knocked back heaps of money too when, you know, that West Indian Rebel Cricket Tour yeah. back in the uh, early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he – yeah. Because, yeah, part-eyed. A lot of those players, they were just, yeah, banned for life pretty much because mm. they went and played in, yeah, in, the car- in that – you know, with the apartheid and yeah, yeah, they really looked down upon. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So um, yeah, he's got a stadium named after him now in Antigua, called the Sir Vivian Richards Stadium in North Sound, Antigua, and it was built for use in the two thousand and seven Cricket World Cup. And according to the Express Tribune, Richards joined the De- the Delhi Daredevils as their mentor in the Indian Premier League in 2013 and also mentored the Quetta Gladiators. They play in the Pakistani Premier League in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020 and 2022. Yeah. So actually, yeah, the first test against Pakistan will be the first time Australia's toured Pakistan and played test cricket there since 1998. Yeah. It begins this coming Friday. Oh, yeah. mm. Okay. So that's the story of the great Sir Vivian Richards. So let's look at some other sp- sporting names now in countries who punch above their weight. So according to – gee, we've got some tongue twisters today. Mm-hmm. Ru Reed McDonald from theraw.com – Looking at the results from the medal tally at the recent Tokyo Olympics, Australia has on average one top eight Olympic athlete for every such 46,832 strong town. Right, so that's around the population of Port Macquarie, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) from where Glenn's from. Yeah, yeah, Port. Yep. So for every Port Macquarie, they produce an Olympic athlete who finishes finishes in the top eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in their event. Yeah. So, however, surprisingly, we're not even in the top 10 for punching above our weight. Thus, we are not the world's greatest sporting underdogs. The top 10 nations, by using the 2021 population estimates, let's have a look at them. You'll be surprised. Mm. Mm. So, for each country... So we're looking at how many regular people there are for every Olympic top eight finalist and finisher. So the results were, so in 10th place is Hungary, nine is Tonga, eight is Slovenia. Seven is Jamaica. Yeah, seven Jamaica, six New Zealand. Five the Bahamas. Yep. Four Grenada, that's another Caribbean island. Uh, Three the Bermuda. Yep. To the British Virgin Islands. Yeah. And what's number one? Santa Marino. San Marino. Yeah. Do you know where that is, Glenn? No, somewhere. <laughs> Put it this way. They've got a famous motor, Formula One. I, yeah. I think they still have it there. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. I think that's where Ayrton, Ayrton Senna. I think it was the San Marino Grand Prix where he lost his life. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the San Marino's points came from just two athletes, a wrestler who came third and a shooter who, who scored in two events. Yeah. While the British Virgin Islands points, they came solely from 
Kyron McMaster, who came fourth in the 400-metre hurdles final. Yeah. Australia came in 15th place. Yeah. Yeah. So, Iceland. So, their um, performance when they defeated England in the 2016 Euro, Euro Cup when they beat them 2-1. So apparently 10% of the nation's tiny population of 330,000 and with their thunder-clapping supporters were, were everyone's second team. Now, according to Tom Rostance from BBC Sport, Iceland had a draw with eventual winners Portugal and a stoppage time winner against Austria. So this put Iceland through to the next stage of the tournament. However, st- they started as huge underdogs against England, who had a championship side. Now, Iceland, with their t- limited playing pool to choose from, and I guess the weather conditions wouldn't be great to play <laughs> football there. They'd have to play indoors most of the year, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they've got volcanoes to worry about too, <laughs> haven't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, they stunned the highly fancied England side who were full of highly paid Premier League players. Now, the BBC sport pundits and former players did not miss in their comments regarding England's performance. That's one good thing <laughs> England commentators and the media are good at when the, their team isn't performing well. Oh, yeah. boy, they give it to them. Yeah. I remember watching some YouTube clips at that time when Iceland beat them and, uh, oh, boy, did they give it to them. Yeah. But, geez, England have done good ever since. You know, they appointed a new coach and, yeah, gone really well. Yes, a former England captain, Alan Shearer, said, quote, that was the worst performance I've ever seen from an England team. Ever. It was tactically inept. Mm-hmm. End of quote. In 2018, Iceland qualified and appeared in their first ever World Cup. Yeah, incredible achievement. <coughs> so they've got a smaller population than the Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at our neighbours now. The wonderful New Zealand population of 5 million. So they enjoy success in many sports, notably rugby union. They're considered the – well, it's their national sport. It's a religion there. They've won three World Cups and consistently been the number one team in the world for decades. Uh, they have not lost a Bledisloe Cup in 20 years against Australia, and that won't change soon, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, the All Blacks have been the most successful side in the history of international rugby, and the Harker is known worldwide. Yeah. What do you think of the Harker, Glenn? Yeah, well, I saw... Um <coughs> I saw a bit of a talk about it on the ABC a while back, mm. and it changed my mind about the the reason why they do it. It's just tradition. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which be good if Australia came up with the tradition. Mm. Yeah, but it's just you know, it's not it's it's not a a war cry as such. It's just it's just what I do to yeah yeah to yeah I suppose that it it's just their tradition to do it mm. for the game. It's a wonderful tradition. Yeah. yeah, and it's also you know like other small countries like Samoa and Tonga they've got great 
it's very similar to the haka. Uh, yeah, they do like a war dance before uh, their games, and uh, yeah, and it's it's like when you see um, each year like Tonga and Samoa play each other in rugby league, uh, and oh boy, that's that's incredible to watch when those two are doing uh, their war dances uh, before a match with uh, each other. Yeah, but um. Yeah, just brilliant sporting nation, New Zealand. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, rugby in, also in rugby league. You know, they've been World Cup winners and Tri Nation winners, and yeah, and you know they, they don't. Rugby league isn't a real big sport over there. Uh. Yeah, you know, you've got the Warriors, and that's about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So also they're the. Uh, in cricket, they're the current world test champions after defeating India last year, who have a population of over a billion people. Mm. Yeah. And you've got to think, like, cricket's probably a third-string sport in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. So you think of all the players that India's got to choose from compared uh. to New Zealand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they, they beat them in that. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been runners-up at the last two World Cups. Yeah, the last World Cup, they missed out by a centimetre from winning. And they were runners-up in last year's 2020 World Cup final. Now, America's, in the America's Cup sailing, they've been outstanding. They defeated the might of the USA. They've done that a few times since 1995. And, yeah, they've had world championship, world championship and Olympic events and excelled in a wide range of sports such as rowing and equestrian. Yeah. And in motorsport too. Yeah, so especially their V8 supercar drivers such as uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, Jim Richards, Greg uh, Murphy, yeah. Fabian Coulthard. Yeah. And netball, they're the current world champions. Yeah, yeah. There's always been a big rivalry between Australia and New Zealand for netball. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's great they got the Formula One on this year too, eh? Yeah. In Australia, after a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. But no, netball, they're they're brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. They always fight it out neck and neck with the... Yeah, yeah, between the Australians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Often always comes down to a point or so either that's, way, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, they're always close games. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they always rank well at the Olympics on a medal to population ratio. Mm. So at the Olympic they've been at the Olympics since nineteen hundred and eight when they competed with Australia as Australasia. Yeah. And uh, Australia's one of only about three or four countries that's competed at every Olympic game since 1896. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They've competed at two football World Cups. So the last was in 2010, yeah, when they did not lose a game. Mm. Yeah, they, they, they had a draw in all their three um, group matches. Yeah. Yeah, even against um, Italy. You know, yeah, but they didn't go through, yeah, um, which was surprising. Yeah. So let's look at Jamaica now. So, that, yeah, population of around 3 million, and they've produced some of the greatest sprinters of all time, such as the great Usain Bolt, Otto Bolden, Johan Blake, Asafa Powell, Veronica Campbell-Brown, Merlene Otty, Shelley Ann Fraser, 
Price and Don Quarry. He won, um, you know, 100 metres gold back in the 70s at yeah. the Montreal Games. Uh. Yeah, and they've won the 4 by 100 metre relays, smashing world records for fun, defeating the mighty USA team. They've yeah. also produced some great cricketers such as Michael Holding, former Where Are They Now guest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Chris Gale, Frank Worrell, Lawrence Rowe and Courtney Walsh. And remember that movie, Cool Runnings? Yeah. Yep. Their bobsleigh team at the Winter Olympics. Yeah. I think that was 1988 from memory. Yeah. So let's look at Barbados mm. now. Yeah, so they've got a population, another island, small island nation in the Caribbean, yeah. population of 287,000. According to Simon Hughes in The Telegraph, it has produced 10 of the top 50 cricketers of all time. That's uh, incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so these include the three Ws, Frank Worrell, Everton Weeks and Clyde Walcott, and probably the greatest of all time. So Garfield Sabres. Mm. I never saw him play, um, but apparently he was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he retired, you know, in about the mid-70s. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, he's easily the greatest all-rounder of all time. Yeah, he was just incredible. He could do everything. He could bowl pace. He could bowl spin. He's a brilliant fieldsman. Yeah. Yeah, one of the greatest batsmen of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don Bradman, he said the greatest innings he ever saw was Sir Garfield Sabres when he hit that 250-odd um, uh, at the Adelaide Oval. I uh, think it was in about 1972 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they've also produced the great Malcolm Marshall, who was widely regarded as the best of all the West Indies fast bowlers in the 80s, and also Desmond Haynes, Big Bird Joel Garner, Gordon Greenwich and Wes Hall. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I went to Barbados, like, their facilities are just so basic. Like, yeah. I remember seeing the West Indies players train the day before the test match, and yeah. it was on a cow paddock. Yeah. yeah. And the nets all had holes in them. and uh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think they, they just developed this great hand-eye coordination um, just by – Playing cricket on the beaches. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so let's look at Samoa now. In the yeah, they're a small island nation in the Pacific. So they've got a population of around two hundred thousand. Yeah, so they apparently have a very high chance of getting a college football scholarship or making it to the NFL if you're born of American Samoan heritage. <laughs> I never knew that. <laughs> Yeah, all from a population of around 200,000, 300,000. Yeah. Well, America, Samoa, that's only got about 50,000 population. Yeah. Yeah. But American football is occasionally played in Samoa, reflecting its wide popularity in American Samoa. And according to ESPN, about 30 ethnic Samoans, mainly from American Samoa, currently play in the National Football League in America. Mm. Yeah. It's probably because they've just got great bill for it. You know, they, they're yeah. big and strong. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, yeah, Samoa's performed very well in rugby union, making it to the quarterfinals in 1991 and 1999 World Cups. At the 2003 World Cup, 
Manu mm. Samoa, as they're known, came close to beating eventual world champions England. So we go to uh, Central America now. Yeah, Dominican Republic. We've got a population of around 10 million, and they've pr- produced some of the greatest uh, players in baseball history. So these include Albert Pujols and Sammy Sosa. Yeah. So according to godominicanrepublic.com, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> baseball for Dominicans is more than a sport. It is a passion, a love for country and unity. It symbolises for the youth a dream and a hope for a better future. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess it would be for a lot of those countries, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is where a lot of the great boxers came from, came from the streets and, yeah, they saw it as a way out of poverty. Mm. You know, Mike Tyson was one of them. He was from the Bronx, New York. Yeah. Yeah, so look at uh, Cuba now. So they've got a population of around 11 million. Mm. And for many years, they've produced some of the greatest boxers and baseballers of all time. So they're just they're a dominant force in amateur boxing, as they are not allowed to turn professional by their government. So I think they've still got a communist government there, haven't they? Don't know. Yeah, well, they, they had Fidel Castro. He was a the leader there yeah. for, like, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, base, yeah, so um, one of their, their greats was Teofilo Stevenson. He won heaps of gold medals in uh, mm. in boxing and Felix Savon. Yeah, and they've produced great baseballers such as Tony Perez, Tony Oliver. Yeah, and Cuba's won Olympic gold medals in baseball most recently in 2004. You know, mm. So they even beat America. Yeah. Right, so we go and have a look at Ireland now. <laughs> the pop- look at the Irish. Yeah, their population is... Six and a half million. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah, so they've got a very strong rugby union team and excel from a small player pool. So they've made it to the quarterfinals six times. They've won the Six Nations and won the Grand Slam, defeating the other five European nations in 2009 and 2018. According to BBC News, yeah. Yeah, so even rugby, you know, because over in Ireland, like hurling and Gaelic football are their, you yeah. know, their religion over there. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So rugby's like a second, third string sport. Uh, yeah. They're also very strong in boxing and have won more medals in boxing than in any other Olympic sport. They've produced some great boxers such as Barry McGuigan, uh, Steve Collins, and now they play test cricket. So if you ask me 20 years ago, you know, if Ireland would be playing cricket yeah. and appearing in World Cups and, yeah, yeah I'd thought, oh, you know, what are you, what are you smoking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they, um, in the, yeah, they've caused some stunning upsets in cricket World Cups. So examples are against Pakistan in 2007 and, Against England in 2011 and 2015. Yeah. And horse racing, they're very strong. You know, so they've yeah. produced some of the great horses and trainers. So 1993 Melbourne Cup winner Vintage Crop is from Ireland and 
Dermot Weld, he's a very famous horse, Irish horse trainer. Uh, yeah, he's produced some Melbourne, Melbourne Cup winners. Mm-hmm. And they've produced some great golfers who have won major titles. So Patrick Harrington, Graham McDowell, Darren Clark and mm. Rory McElroy. So he's actually actually from Northern Ireland. That's yeah. got a smaller population yeah. of around one and a half million. Wow. Yeah. Right. Denmark now. Yeah, we know Denmark. Five point eight million. Yeah. So what 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 um she was on the news the other day <laughs> with uh What's her name? Uh, Will's wife. What's her name? Prince William. Oh, uh, Kate. Yeah, Kate. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's a princess there. Can you remember her name? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and where she's from? I vaguely saw it. But I, yeah, no, I don't recall it. Yeah, Mary. She's yeah. from Tasmania. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah Princess yeah. Mm. Yeah, they met at the Sydney Olympics. Yeah. Mm. Which I think that, yeah, that Princess Mary gets better reception than than the royals that from, from England. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, uh, yeah, what's their population? 5.8 million. Yeah. Yeah, another small nation there. Yeah, just near Scandinavia. Yeah, so they've produced some great footballers such as Peter Schmeichel. He was a brilliant goalkeeper. Played for Man United. Yeah. Christian Eriksen, Michael Lordrup. They won the 1992, I remember this, they won the 1992 European Cup, defeating the current World Cup champions, Germany. Mm. And they came third in last year's European Cup. Yeah. Yeah, so that went in 92. That was just a stunning upset. Mm. Yeah, I remember getting up, watching that early in the morning when I lived in Narrabeen there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've produced some of the great – oh, hang on. No. Yeah, they're very strong in cycling. And former world number one tennis player Caroline Wozniacki. Yeah. She's from Denmark too. Yeah, so Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. The, ta- the, the land of the Toblerone. <laughs> the Toblerone. Yeah. <laughs> Libby was playing some ABBA in the car coming home last yeah. night in the pouring rain. Weren't you, Libby? Uh. Yeah, ABBA's from Sweden. Did you know that? And You're playing you, Dancing Queen. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know, Libby, that that um, ABBA didn't become famous until they came to Australia? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Australia, yeah, when they did their tour of Australia, the rest of the world got woke up and, wow, these are good. So it was because Australia, mm. Abba took off. If anything, they were bigger in Australia than Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. But it wasn't yeah, was until they did their tour mm. into Australia that America and England started to... That's right. Wow, they are good. <laughs> and off they went. yeah. But, um, yes, yeah, so they've got a population around 10 million and produced brilliant tennis players such as former Where Are They Now? He was on a few weeks ago, wasn't he? Or was it last week? Can't remember. Beyond Bork. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Matt Swillander. Now, he was the guy who punched well above his weight because, yeah, he was, um, you know, there wasn't much of him, but, gee, he used to... He he won like about five or six Grand Slam titles. That bloke, yeah. 
and uh, Stefan Edberg, Thomas Johansson too. They've got a very strong football side, appeared in 12 World Cups, runners-up in 1958, and they finished third in two World Cups. Most recently was in uh, 1994. Now we'll look at Hungary now. And they've got a population of around 10 million. Now, according to Wikipedia, only 10 countries have won more Olympic medals than Hungary. Now, it has a total of 498 medals, ranking eighth in an all-time Olympic Games medal count. So Hungary has the third highest number of Olympic medals per capita and second highest number of gold medals per capita in the world. Yeah. So they excel in water sports especially. Yeah, especially water polo. So, yeah, I, I was reading about this and I've heard about it over the years and the Mel- Melbourne Olympics in 1956, this was around the time when, you know, um, the Soviet Union invaded Hungary. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Hungary and the Soviet Union were playing in the final in, the, in, in water polo. Yeah. The Olympics, and Melbourne, and oh boy, it just turned into a bloodbath. Apparently, yeah, yeah. like yeah. I got f- photos of it in this book at home, and yeah, players are walking out of the pools with cut faces and blood. <laughs> yeah, it was shocking. Yeah, yeah, but no, just brilliant at water polo. Yeah, and they've had a lot of success in canoeing and kayaking and. They're the third most successful overall. Yeah, Christian Egazeki. She was a Hungarian swimmer. And according to Britannica.com, she was the youngest athlete ever to win an Olympic gold medal in swimming. Yeah. She won the 200-metre backstroke at the 1988, 1992 and 1996 Olympic Games, becoming only the second swimmer after Dawn Fraser to win an Olympic event at Free Olympiads. Yeah. Yeah, so there's been a lot of, you know, sportsmen that have punched well above their weight too. Yeah. Yeah, I can think of one. Johnny Colk, he played for Parramatta. He was one of the halfbacks back in the 70s. Yeah. There wasn't much of him. Yeah. Tiny bloke. I used to see him at Parramatta Leagues Club. Yeah. And I, Lived in Parramatta and I used to go there all the time because yeah. he used to work there. And, yeah, gosh, and you just looked at him and, gosh, that bloke, he played, you know, yeah. top-class rugby league. Yeah. But let's look at our top five now. Okay. So, in fifth place, we have, what do we have, Glenn? Jamaica, man. Jamaica, man. Jamaica, rum. Yep. Fourth place. Uh, Ireland. Ireland. Uh, Ireland. Yeah. Irish. Third We're place. <laughs> yeah. We got Hungary. Yeah, I, I am actually. I'm, actually yeah. I'm a bit hungry at the moment. <laughs> Second place. We have Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. And first place. I don't have my drum here this week. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Just have the ditch. New Zealand. Yeah, they're my number one for punching well above their weight. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Livy, do you feel up to singing this week? No. Ah, we're going to sing the Antigua Barbuda National Anthem. That's all right. I'll read the lyrics. 
So fair Antigua and Barbuda. How about you wave the flag while I <laughs> you do that for me? Yeah. You can be a flag waver. <laughs> fair Antigua and Barbuda, we thy sons and daughters stand, strong and firm in peace or danger, to safeguard our native land. We commit ourselves to building a true nation, brave and free, ever striving, ever seeking, dwell in love and unity. Raise the standard, raise it boldly, answer now to duty's call, to the service of thy country, sparing nothing, giving all. Girth your loins and join the battle, gainst fear, hate and poverty, each endeavouring, all achieving, live in peace where a man is free. God of nations, let thy blessings fall upon this land of ours. Rain and sunshine ever sending, fill her fields with crops and flowers. We, her children, do implore thee, give us strength, faith and loyalty, never failing, all enduring, to defend her liberty. How about mm. that? Pause <laughs> <laughs> for that. Um, to reveal. Time to reveal this week's Who Am I? And the answer is Croatia. Croatia. Now, I was thinking for uh, next episode. Now, we're talking about auras and all that today, weren't we? Yeah. yeah about the great, yeah, Sir Vivian Richards and... Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking we might look at um, sports people, you know, with charisma and aura about oh, yeah. them. Yeah, so yeah. I know, Glenn, you were talking about an athlete that you saw in public close. Who, who was that again? Was it? Oh, Ian Thorpe, wasn't it? Uh, and, uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn. Glenn McGrath, yeah. that's right. Glenn yeah. McGrath. Yeah. yeah. I did see Ian Thorpe. Um I was at my mate's cafe in Cronulla Mall. Yep. And I saw him walk past with all these Australia girls. Oh, yep. And this is before he he, he came out as being yeah. gay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, he's a great man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great what he does for um, – I saw him on that ABC show. Would have been a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. About uh, you know, standing up against bullies and yeah, yeah, does a lot for charity and as yeah. well. Yeah, so now we'll talk about some of our experiences where we've been near uh, some very famous sports people <laughs> over the years, and yeah. even if we haven't been near them, ones that yeah, yeah, have a lot of charisma and yeah. awe about them. You know, an example is uh, the great Rod Laver. Yeah. You know, who brings the great Roger Federer the tears. Yeah. Yeah, when Roger Federer's around him. Yeah. That's how how much he's respected Rod Laver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so look forward to that one. Yeah. So thanks for joining us for this episode of The Sports Shack. That's it. So it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from Glenn. Goodbye. Bye. G'day, it's me again. Please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week.
please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time...